Welcome to Who Wrote That Up For You, a daily podcast that shines a light on the American justice system and its role in empowering the powerful to take from you. The justice system is the only branch of your government where an individual, rather than the collective, can make the system act for you. It puts power in the individual's hands, but it's broken and being used against you at a time when you need it most. And we are live on Who Wrote That Up For You. Today is Thursday, October 20th, 2022. I'm Sonia Ebron, co-founder at Courtroom 5. And I am Deborah Sloan, the other co-founder at Courtroom 5. We have a very interesting show for you today. You know, uh, Deborah, we've been doing this about six weeks now, uh, this uh, weekday podcast. I'm uh, very proud of us and very happy um, about the audience that we're growing uh, for both the live uh, broadcast here and the podcast. Thought it would be a good time to just um, uh, re, uh, re, re-engage on the title of the show uh, and where that title comes from. Who wrote that up for you? Uh, so we're going to talk about that uh, a bit uh, in, in just a moment. Before we get there, though, uh, Deborah, what's on your mind? What is your issue of the day? Well, today's issue is in both the don't do this at home department and the see what can happen when you handle stuff in the streets rather than in the courts department. Apparently, the sheriff's department in Hadley, Massachusetts, was attempting to serve an eviction notice uh, last week when a woman pulls up in an SUV with a flatbed trailer full of beehives (laughs) to stop the eviction. She jumped out of the SUV, flipped the hive tower off the flatbed, and released the bees on the members of the sheriff's department. She did not. Li- she did not. She didn't even live in the house, but was there to protest and attempt to stop the eviction. Several, and several of members of the sheriff's office were hurt, uh, were stung, and she's been charged. Uh, allegedly, she said, "Oh, you're allergic. Well, good. Here's some bees." Oh my my my! That is um that's badass. First of all, uh, I understand the uh, I understand the motivation there. We have a um, really serious eviction crisis uh, in the country, um, and obviously the government isn't addressing it, uh, at least to my uh, satisfaction or expectation. So, I understand that people uh, often want to take things into into their hands. It's not not something I would do. Uh, to address the problem. But, you know, you you remind me, uh, and it's a good time to just remind um, everybody, you know, government exists to keep people from doing things like this, right? Uh, to keep people from handling issues in the streets. And one could argue that if the government were addressing the eviction crisis in any meaningful sense, that you wouldn't have people out there releasing bees on on the sheriff's department <laughs> during, during an eviction. Um so this is a this is a symptom of government failure. We've seen it so many times, honestly. I mean, I, I just I don't know, I don't want to go on about it, but it seems to me that when the government fails its people so predictably, uh, you can 
expect more and more of this type of behavior. And so I would rather have uh, capable government than people taking uh, these matters into their own hands. Uh, for sure, there's nothing but chaos down that road. But we have chaos anyway. Uh, one could argue that the sheriff's department uh, nationwide evicting people uh, on the scale they're doing currently is a form of chaos uh, in itself. So, yeah, appreciate you bringing bringing that issue uh, to the fore. I tell you, <laughs> who wrote that up for you? Is sponsored uh, by Courtroom Five. Uh, at Courtroom Five, we believe the courts belong to the people, in particular to the people who use them. And we, the people, are coming to claim our courts uh, so that we don't have to uh, be out here releasing bees on, on sheriff department. Let's use the courts uh, on, on some of these issues. Uh, but if you find yourself uh, in court without a lawyer or if you need to sue someone and can't find uh, a lawyer to represent you, get yourself over to courtroom5.com. Uh, try a limited version of our services for free. Uh, and we hope to provide some relief for you there. All right. Uh, you know, Deborah, again, we've been doing this little podcast thing, this live broadcast thing for six weeks. And on day one, uh, we introduced the title of the show uh, and just gave the background, uh, the origin story, if you will, um, that, that drove the title here. Essentially, uh, you and I were engaged in a foreclosure case, Chase had decided that they didn't want us living in the home we purchased um, anymore and uh, filed a foreclosure suit. And we fought it. Uh, we had, I will say, um, you know, made a strategic decision uh, to end that relationship or at least alter it because we couldn't get the mortgage uh, modification that we thought we deserved. Uh, this was, you know, at the height of the financial crisis and we were just never going to get any money out of that home, as it turned out. So long story short, uh, we made a decision to delay the progress um, of that case, to just stick our feet in the mud and slow everything down. It's something that lawyers do all the time, to choose a strategy and execute on it. Uh, and we did that very successfully. As I recall, it took the bank more than three years to get an answer to uh, their foreclosure complaint. Uh, and the case uh, was settled quite favorably several years uh, later. Uh, so long story short, though, we were uh, in the process of just slowing things down and had uh, at one point uh, decided that we wanted to subpoena and depose not only the bank's lawyer, uh, but two vice presidents of the bank who we knew to be robo-signers. And you remember that big scandal uh, from a few years back. And they were calling themselves vice president of this and vice president of that. And we knew for sure they didn't get an invitation to the Christmas party at Chase. And so we wanted to talk to them. We had found some mistakes in the paperwork and, and wanted to talk to them. And so at any rate, we made, I thought, a, a very powerful argument one day uh, to be able to get those uh, depositions done you can't just send a subpoena to the bank's lawyer or to offices of the court, particularly when they're out of state. So we had to go through some procedural hurdles to get that done. But during the course of that um, oral argument, uh, the judge, as you'll see, had a very interesting question for me uh, that, uh, well, ended up being the title of the show. Let me just play a couple minutes of that hearing uh, for those of you who haven't heard it. Um, this is me arguing, making an argument rather uh, to the judge about why we ought to have uh, the opportunity to depose all these people 
uh, to get some answers uh, before we had to answer the complaint. You'll hear a couple of bleeps. We have removed some names uh, from the audio of that hearing just to protect uh, their privacy. Uh, but hopefully that won't be too disruptive. Give us a couple minutes here. Now, there are, as I mentioned, a couple of other witnesses that we need to depose. It is the Chase vice president who verified the attachment of the assignment in October of 2012. We believe the court needs to know whether she will testify to that fact at trial or rather admit to perjury in her verification. Um, court needs to know that to determine whether is in fact a necessary witness. We've already handled that matter is, uh, again, the Chase employee who executed the December assignment on behalf of MERS. That assignment, mind you, stated that MERS, and I quote from the assignment, does hereby assign, transfer, and set over unto Chase the subject mortgage. That's in direct contradiction to verification just six weeks earlier that the mortgage had already been assigned, transferred, and set over to Chase. And so we believe the court needs to know how he was able uh, to make that assignment or whether, in fact, he was unable to make the assignment. The court needs to know that to determine whether, again, Ms. is a necessary witness in this case. I would just point out finally here that uh, by drafting and filing the uh, initial complaint with the Chase vice president's verification, um, essentially attested to the existence of an earlier assignment. Now, we, we all understand that an attorney representing a client doesn't make factual statements uh, on any personal knowledge. She's simply representing the client. But again, a quick aside, if, if little Johnny throws a baseball bat through a neighbor's window and a lawyer representing that neighbor uh, writes a complaint saying Johnny threw the ball through the window, that, that's, that's the client's statement. But if the attorney attaches the ball with shards of glass to the complaint and attests to that in the complaint, well, that, that's some personal knowledge involved there, that the ball is attached to the complaint. And that's essentially what we have in this case. And we would suggest that when herself attested to the attachment of an October 2012 assignment uh, on the initial complaint. In contrast, um, by by drafting, preparing, and recording the December assignment, she essentially attested to the non-existence of that very uh, earlier assignment. Uh, and so I think the court... Yeah, I'm sorry? My handwriting. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> uh, I, I think the court needs to hear her explanation uh, of those contradictions. <laughs> I, I can only laugh as I did then uh, about that situation. Exactly. If you'll notice, she, she asked, who wrote that up for you? And I, uh, in the courtroom, while I was in the courtroom watching her, I saw her be very engaged in the conversation. She was like, oh, oh wow, what happened next? And uh, she, she was into the story, into, into being persuaded that uh, ruling in our favor basically was the right thing to do. And so when she said, who wrote that up for you? She was like, it was in a, in a, in a like almost uh, a state of, oh, I'm sure you didn't, but, you know, just tell me who, who wrote this because I, I like it, you know? So I, I'm, uh, I felt that uh, the, the uh, document that, 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 that Sonia and I wrote to say in court that, that, that 
uh, particular document was something that she admired. And so um, unfortunately, she didn't think we would write it, but uh, it, it was something that she admired. And so I felt flattered. And uh, Sonia, I mean, she she was just really basically going up the hill with with this with this wonderful argument, and she was almost you know she was almost at the crest, and you know here comes the judge says wow who wrote that up for you, so so it was it was uh, magnificently uh, stated, and um, the judge was impressed, and I uh, for one am flattered. I think Sonia's flattered as well, but that just goes to the idea the notion of a judge not really expecting certain people to come out with a certain argument, especially uh, pro se litigants, litigants that are representing themselves in court. Um, they don't always see arguments like this. Now, I have to admit there are a lot of pro se litigants who are capable of uh, representing themselves very well. But um, there are uh, a whole bunch of, of, of those who aren't. And this judge apparently was more used to those who uh, who may have uh, uh, different types of argument. And so uh, it, this was a good day because we won. <laughs> we won this hearing. And, th and so this was a really, really good day for us. It was funny to see uh, Chase's counsel uh, trying to argue <laughs> that, <laughs> that all, of the, all of the subpoenas should be denied um, because they didn't disagree with anything we had to say. <laughs> therefore, and therefore there was no need for all, for all that discovery, but it didn't work. It was a good try, but yeah. it didn't work for him. In, in other words, he didn't have an argument. He did not. He yeah. Wasn't, yeah. Yeah. That you know, yeah. I've, I've, I've become um, uh, very sympathetic uh, with judges these days. As you indicated, there are some pro se litigants who can capably represent themselves in court. We've talked to some of them uh, on this show and can, will continue to do that. Um, but frankly, you know, there are millions of people in the courts these days and the numbers are increasing with, you know, the eviction crisis that we discussed with uh, the economy, uh, the way it is, um, you know, more debt collection, more bankruptcies, all of these uh, cases where people are having to represent themselves because obviously, if you've got trouble paying your mortgage or you've got trouble paying a debt uh, or even are alleged to, you're not likely to hire a lawyer. And so people are being forced to represent themselves uh, in our nation's courts in these very difficult and complex procedures. And so judges are overwhelmed uh, with lay people trying to exercise the law, right, which belongs to all of us. Uh, and assuming that what they've seen on television, on Judge G's show and and the other shows, is what they're facing, and that's uh, and and you know they're they're shocked to find that it's not that way, but judges are just overwhelmed, and uh, so I, I certainly I understand this judge is wanting to just delve a little deeper here because now I don't I don't I don't look like a lawyer. I didn't look like a lawyer that day. Um, you know, I I dress in regular. Know, not even business casual when I go to court. I want to distinguish myself um, from the lawyers in the court uh, who are typically much better dressed um, when I go. But the, the judge did have a really difficult time uh, <laughs> hearing legal argument of that sort from someone who clearly wasn't a lawyer. And so I just thought um, I, I was flattered, as you said, uh, that she would be forced to ask that. What I'd like to see happen, though, um, 
What I'd like to see happen is for many more judges uh, to be confronted with those uh, sorts of legal arguments and uh, be compelled to ask that same question from the first day <laughs> uh, in front of them until until it becomes the norm and and nobody is surprised when a pro se litigant can forcefully argue um, uh, in a court of, of, of our law. Uh, so anyway, I, I, I won't ramble on there, but it was a good day. Uh, as I said, we, you know, by that time, Deborah had some, you know, a fairly good understanding of how these things work. Uh, and one other thing I would just note is that I think one of the things we learned along the way is that in state courts in particular, judges generally don't even bother reading the pleadings, uh, particularly when there are pro se's involved. Again, they've got <laughs> a very heavy docket um, and they're used to reading gibberish and they know they're going to make their decisions based on the uh, arguments um, when people come to court. And so we did write down some stuff, but I don't actually think this judge read uh, our written argument at all. And yeah. so that's <laughs> a source of, and had she, I mean, maybe she would have had the same question, maybe not, you know, but, um, but I don't think she, she took, um, uh, I don't think she took the opportunity to read the argument beforehand because uh, it wasn't much different from what we delivered. But nonetheless, um, that is the origin of the show's. Uh, that's the backstory of the show's name. Uh, who wrote that up for you? And again, our goal here is to get many more um, people who are representing themselves to be able to, you know, uh, capably argue their positions in court uh, so that a judge will ask them. Who wrote that up for you? Yeah, <laughs> you yep. know her next. Her next question would have been, "Who helped you? Who coached you?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Same thing. So yeah. Yeah. that's okay. You know, I would have, <laughs> I would have told her. You know, hey, I mean, I, I, we did this. I've got my coach is sitting right next to me here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. At any rate, Deborah, uh, who won yesterday's quiz, if anyone, and what do you have teed up for us tomorrow? Okay. Uh, we do have a winner today. The question was, which of the following is the least likely to be asserted as a defense in a contract case? Number one, mistake. Two, unclean hands. Three, according satisfaction. Four, contributory negligence. And the answer is uh, four, contributory negligence. Uh, uh, of, the, of the four, contributory negligence uh, pro typically would apply to or, or typically is asserted in a negligence case like personal injury, uh, medical malpractice, uh, those kinds of cases, rather than a contract case. It's not, uh, it's not uh, impossible to, to assert a defense of contributory negligence in a contract case, but uh, of the four, it's the least likely to be asserted as a defense. And the winner today is Tony T., All right. And then today's quiz. What's the difference between a motion for summary judgment and a motion to dismiss? What's the difference between a motion for summary judgment and a motion to dismiss? If you want to participate in today's quiz, send your responses to quiz at courtroom5.com. Fantastic. Fantastic. That is great. I uh, just wanted to uh, shout out to one of our 
more loyal um, viewers. Eric, uh, thank you so much. I think he posted that while we were uh, discussing who wrote that up for you uh, backstory. But I uh, appreciate you uh, viewing uh, so reliably, Eric, and uh, appreciate your comment as well. All right. Fantastic. Well, that is all we have for you today. Uh, as always, we'll uh, maybe see you on tomorrow, on Friday. Uh, look forward to um, uh, to the stream then. And yeah, as always, everybody have a great day. Thanks so much. Are you feeling beleaguered, angry, or afraid? As if things are spinning out of control and you're powerless to stop them? It's easy to just let things slide and hope they don't get worse. But they often do get worse. The thing is, you're not powerless. Our courts belong to us. And their purpose is to give power to the powerless. Don't let your grievances pile up without redressing them. You can handle this in court. Or if someone takes you to court, you can take them to school.